Hey, good to see you here. You are currently listening to Inspire Church Metro Manila. We are one church in multiple locations, and we exist to inspire people to fulfill their God-given potential. We are so glad that you're tuning in right now. Welcome home. Learn more about us by visiting inspiremetro.live. Lean in and enjoy. I was looking up on the internet because we talked about the things that, what was it that possibly swallowed Jonah? The Bible does not tell us specifically that it was a whale. Um, we just come up and we say, it was a whale that swallowed Jonah. I think it was, we don't know if it was a whale. Um, we don't know if it was a, a, a massive shark, which is qu quite possible to swallow a man um, and keep him in his stomach. But if you've seen Nemo, you know Bruce. Bruce ain't going to let that happen, right? Bruce is going to eat you all the way. Um, so it could have been a megalodon, could have been a, uh, which is a massive shark, apparently, um, from, my, from my years of watching Shark Week with my daughter. Um, it could have been a whale shark. It could have been a humpback. It could have been a blue whale. Whatever it was, God sent a great fish. Um, so I was looking at the different things that they found in sharks or fish that shocked everybody, and one of them was actually a polar bear. They found a polar bear, a whole polar bear. Um, I don't know how, I don't know. I don't know what, how that would happen, but he swallowed an entire polar bear. If it can swallow an entire polar bear, then it is possible for us to wrap our minds around it swallowing a man whole. So if you're the average Hawaiian, five foot seven, no problem, right? I'm just kidding. If you're, just kidding. Anyway, moving right along. I mean, Hawaii people, not the average Hawaiian, but the Hawaii people. If you're from Okinawa, like Randy, five foot three, he's not from Okinawa, but I'm just saying, well, how was Jonah the size of Pastor Randy? We don't know. But whatever it was, you could swallow a man if he was six feet tall or if he was in between that. But whatever the story is that we know about Jonah, here's what we do know, is that God had a plan and God had a purpose for a country that was not even Israel. That God was willing to even reach out to a country that was actually going to take its own people captive years later. And so in order for him to redeem the wicked city of Nineveh, which was absolutely wicked, the Assyrians were wicked people. Now, we're talking about um, skinning people alive. We're talking about impaling people on poles and allowing them to die and bake in the sun and even to do things to children that, um, that were basically killing children um, while they were babies. Um, God was so displeased with this nation, but yet he still wanted to give them an opportunity to repent and even win a nation in basically one day. And so when you look at what God's assignment was for Jonah, still Jonah, because he was upset with the Assyrians and they were prophesying against them and knew that they were a threat with the king that wanted to come into northern Israel, which was the ten tribes of Israel, God wanted Jonah and his job was to go all the way to Nineveh and to preach in Nineveh and to tell them that destruction was coming in 40 days unless that they would return. There's something significant about the number 40. 40 is about testing. 40 is about you coming through the fire there's amazing things that God did after 40 days and God wanted to see a nation return to him in one day however we know that the story tells us and if the map up on the screen that instead of Jonah going all the way to Nineveh and going through the mountain range and coming to Nineveh and doing what God called him to do Jonah went in the opposite direction and decided that he would go to Tarshish all the way in Spain 
Now, on his way to Spain, the Bible tells us that God sent a great fish, but I was, it came to me on Tuesday night, and I wish it came to me at 7.15 last week, but how many of you know that the more you preach, the more revelation you end up getting, and you actually get better, so that's what it is. So the 7.15 service, I didn't see it, what I saw. And what I saw was, to me, it was kind of funny, that all of a sudden, he says, throw me in the water, or throw me into the ocean, and the waves and the storm will stop. Now, these are seasoned sailors. We're not talking about 10 men in a boat. We're talking about a big ship that is going all the way through the Mediterranean Sea from Joppa in Israel all the way to Tarshish. And he says, throw me into the ocean. You know, just throw me in, and that will stop everything. And I said, throw yourself in. You know what I'm talking about? Because I don't want your blood on my hands. But they throw him in, and as soon as he enters into the water, imagine big, rolling, heavy waves, 40 to 60-foot swells, because that's how big it gets in the Mediterranean. And they throw him in, and all of a sudden, it just goes quiet. It's an eerie calm. And you can imagine all the sailors, when they threw him in, overboard, they're looking. Oh! Whoa! Like in awe of God, that they just threw him in, and it just went silent. Then all of a sudden, this big fish comes, and it's silent. And they see the fish, boom! They went, oh! 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 Oh, 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 see, all your fault it was all your fault. But then the Bible tells us in John chapter 4, John chapter 2, it says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He's in the fish. And I cried out to the Lord my God in great trouble, and he answered me, it says in chapter 2, verse 1. I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. How many of you can say that? That I cried out to God in my time of trouble. And just at the right time, he saved me. Just at the right time. And he said, I called to you from the land of the dead. And Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths. And I sank down to the heart of the sea. And the mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple and I sank beneath the waves and you know what is so important because they would look to the temple in Jerusalem so wherever they knew that they were they would get their equilibrium and they would know that they would have to look west or east toward the temple if they were somewhere else they would look north to the temple wherever they thought that the temple was when I was on my first trip to Israel and what a privilege and flying on continental airlines at the time so that's how long ago it was and um, all of a sudden they all get up at one time and all of these men start praying in the direction of where Jerusalem was. They have their phylacteries. They have their hats. They have their scriptures. They have um, the, the, I don't know what to call it, but other than tassels or wrapped around their arms, these leather straps, and would remind them of the bondage in Israel. Um, they would remind them to have that box on their head that would keep the word of God in their mind, on their lips, and on their hearts. And they would be reading their, their, um, their Talmud, and they'd be reading it, and they'd bowing up and down, facing Jerusalem in the airplane while we're flying toward Jerusalem to Tel Aviv. How, what amazing. If you've ever been there, you've ever seen them heading in that direction, they would stand up and they would do that. It was amazing. Jonah, in the well, is trying to figure out where is, where is he? Now, moving right along, says, Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. And I sank beneath the waves, and the water closed over me. Seaweed wrapped 
itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. That's a true prophet right there. He's bringing that stuff up. Then in verse 9, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. And I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. And then, verse 10, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on the beach. Map back up, please. If you look at this map, we are not exactly sure where the whale was when it got Jonah. We don't know if it was at the beginning of the ship journey. We don't know if he was almost in Tarshish. We don't know if he was by Crete. Uh, we don't know if he was more by the Aegean Sea, which is the Greek islands area over there. But whatever it was, that's where the fish got him. And when the big fish got him, then the fish, big fish, pollued him, vomited him, bleh, and Jonah came out of his stomach and onto the shore. Imagine if you were on that shore that day. You're just with your family, you know, you got your spam musubi, honey, your babe made it, made it early in the morning with the teriyaki sauce and the furukake, and she dropped it all over there, wrapped it all up, and you with your wife, and you with your kids, or with your husband, and you're sitting down over there in your beach chair, and all of a sudden, you see this big thing, up on the shore, and, and this guy comes out, and he's like, oh my gosh. Okay, now think about this for a moment, that, that, that happened. We don't know if the families were watching, but that happened. As a matter of fact, two, two views on this, on how that happened. That the fish turned around and went right back to Joppa and did what he did. And then he got out and then he made his way to Nineveh. But according to the account of Josephus, the Jewish um, scholar and historian, Josephus says that he was dropped and deposited at the bottom right-hand corner of the Black Sea. Nineveh, actually the Assyrian Empire, not close to Nineveh, but on the shore, and he had to make his way to Nineveh. Either way, Jonah had to make a journey to Nineveh on his own. He still had to walk. Even though God deposited him where he was, he still had to make a conscious effort that he was going to follow God and go in that direction. So if this fish which is not impossible to think that if God would calm a storm by throwing a man into the ocean that he caused the storm, that it's not impossible for us to believe that God could swallow a man whole instead of having that fish eat him, just keep him right there. It's not impossible for us to believe then that that fish could go through the Greek islands, come through to Istanbul, come over to the Black Sea, traveling at about 30 miles an hour. How impossible is that for God? Not impossible at all. And make that fish book it. And then all of a sudden get there and let him go there. Wherever the fish deposited him, here's what happened. But Josephus says that this is the truth, that he believes that this is the truth because the Assyrians had a god named Oannes. Oannes sounds like Jonah in some sense. And the priests of Oannes dressed in the garb of a fish. If I could get the picture up there. And this is in Nineveh. This is in Assyria. And this is what the picture, and this is what it is. These are the priests with the fish head and the big long fish tails. And they, when they saw Jonah come forth, he did not look like your average Hebrew man anymore. He was bleached 
all the way through because of the gastric acids that began to eat away at him. His hair was gone. He looked scary. And when he came out of the fish, and if you came out of the fish, you'd be like, yo. Because you don't look like everybody else. You didn't just come off a boat. You just came out. You just survived three full days in a fish. And when you come out of something like that, some, let me tell you, some of you going through the toughest trial. I'm getting ahead of my notes. You're going through the toughest trial. You've been engulfed by stuff. You got seaweed all over your neck. You know what I'm talking about? You, you look like a ghost. You know what I'm talking about? Like stuff has happened to you. You got stuff all over you. But man, you've come out of that and now you're going, yo. Because there's now you know that there's nothing that can kill you, nothing that can stop you, and even your own self that you, you might have done something and God says, I'm going to bring you back and I'm going to do and make you do what I called you to do in the first place. The first thing I want you to write down in your notes is this, is, is surrendering, number one, is always the best solution. It's always the best solution to surrender because God's will will always be the plan. God's will will always be the plan. See. When your, your rebellion will not change the plan. It won't change the plan. Jonah looked and smelled like he had been through some really deep stuff, everybody. He was vomited onto a beach. Now, the Bible tells us in John chapter 3, verse 1. Go to chapter 3, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Thank God for the first time, but thank God more, more so for the second time. And identical to the first verse in chapter 1, verse 1, he says it again. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message that I have given you. Same verse all over again. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord. Everybody say this time. This time, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord. The last time he never listened, but this time he obeyed the Lord, the Lord's command, and went to Nineveh. Because the last time he never listened, he got on a boat and went in the opposite direction. And then he put everybody's life in danger because of the decisions that he made. And as a result, the ship would have gone down. But now, because of what he did, nobody else is going to pay for what he did because God spared them. So this time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. And a city so large, and that's what historians say, they were such a big city, that it took three days to see it all. In other words, it took three days to walk around the entire thing. It was based upon the Tigris River, and another river ran through it, and it was along the banks of the Tigris, not the Euphrates, that was Babylon, the Tigris River, and that's where the city was built. So it was more of a lengthy city rather than a square city, and it would take three days to circumvent or uh, do the circumference over the entire city. And so the people of Nineveh, it says that he was, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord, and on verse 4, on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds. How many times did he do it? We don't know if he just did it at one time. I don't think so. The, crowd, the city was so big. He would probably have to go here and set it up there and go all over the place. And this was his message. Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Imagine going into the enemy's territory. Imagine if you go to Waipahu High School and you go right into Campbell. And you go to Waipahu, and you go into Campbell, and you yell in Campbell High School, Campbell's going down. You're not going to make it out of Campbell High School alive. Or vice versa. But this is more intense, way more intense. He's going into the en enemy territory. And he's not saying, God loves you so much and has a wonderful plan for your life. In the next three moments, I want you to, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand and give your life to Jesus. He didn't do that. He just said, in 40 days, this city will be destroyed. Drop the mic, walk away. Doesn't say, what, and what else he said? 
The Bible says in verse 5 that the people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Burlap would show your sorrow because it doesn't feel good. You would be wearing basically sackcloth is what they call it, but burlap is the same thing, and you'd wear it. It was a sign of mourning. And then it says that you would mourn for your sins or you'd mourn for someone who died. Then it says in verse 6 that when the king of Nineveh heard that Jonah, what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes, dressed himself in burlap, and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the entire city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God because they had many gods. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. And when God saw what he had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. Surrendering is always the best solution. Surrendering God's will for your life or your own will to God. God, not my will, but your will be done is always the best solution. And surrendering your life to Jesus, if you've never done it, is the best solution, is the best answer that you could ever have in your own life. Because the more you fight, the worse it gets. The more you surrender, the better it is. It's an oxymoron. God, I surrender. Your life is better. God, I want to fight. Your life gets harder. It's an oxymoron. God says, if you let go, I will fill you. If you, if you surrender, I will strengthen you. Amazing. That's what God does. Number one, surrendering is always the best solution. But number two, the deepest places can be the most sacred spaces. These guys excited. I'm just wondering about the rest of you. No, I'm just kidding. I know you are. But think about that for a moment. The deepest places of your life can actually be the most sacred spaces that you're ever going to be in. When you go through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod and your staff will comfort me. That the deepest things that you're going through right now are actually the most sacred place that you can be. Because why? Because God is attracted to brokenness. God is attracted because when we are weak, he is strong. God opposes pride but gives grace and favor to the humble. If you're going through a deep place right now or you, someone that you love is going through it right now, handled right is the most sacred space, the most beautiful place that you could ever be. But the more you fight, the more that you wrestle, the more... That you go, why am I here? Oh, God, what did I do to deserve this? I tithe. How come this is happening? Or, God, I serve you, and we're going through this. The sooner we can get rid of the how comes, the sooner we can make it a sacred space. Because what God wants to do is when he gets you and actually, (laughs) what actually I really, I don't want to get, a, get, a, get, get ahead of my notes, but I really think that this is the most important thing, that Jonah prayed his best prayer in the worst place. Your best prayers were coming out of the worst places that you've ever been. And God prepared a great fish to swallow him because he would have sank to the depths of the ocean, and he deserved it when he disobeyed God. He went in the opposite direction. One life for 600,000. Do the math. 600,000 in a city repented, but one man, it was his assignment. Yeah. 
God's punishment to him was to throw himself into the ocean. But oftentimes God's punishment can actually be your protection. The fish was his protection. God enveloped him, allowed him to be, so to speak, in a womb or a cocoon of his discipline to be able to finally extract a man that is now humble and changed as a result of the affliction caused upon himself, yet at the same time, God cooperates with the affliction done to ourselves and what God does is he uses it and he begins to cooperate or orchestrate it to be the best place that you could be that the most difficult place in your life the darkest place the deepest place to the depths where you think you're gonna die and God says you don't even realize it but I've protected you from everything that is around you because if I were to release you it would crush you and instead of it crushing you it actually preserves you the punishment is the protection that preserves some of us here today are in a place the chastisement of the Lord is good we see punishment oftentimes as a highly negative thing because of the way you might have been punished as a child or whatever connotations that we have or things that we see about being punished but the Bible says that the Lord disciplines or chastises those that he loves and it's more than this is gonna hurt me more than it hurts you this is more than that if you've ever had that speech I said, then you like trade places. <laughs> because the deepest places can be the most sacred spaces. The safest place was in the protection. The ship sailing away to Jonah's desired destination. The safest place for Jonah was in the middle of God's will. And God's will for you might be to be in the belly of a fish at the moment. Rather than dying and bobbing on a surface or going down to the deep where you get no help at all sometimes God's punishment can be his protection but is also your preservation number three not only is the deepest places the most sacred spaces but number three what you do is up to you now what you do is all up to you so you can even you know you can get on the shore and you crawl out and now you're, you're slimy and you're gross and you just need to get back in the water and wash all this stuff up and you can still walk in a different direction but you can go in the right direction and after he had landed was not the issue or the main point where he landed how he landed was it the black sea was it the mediterranean was it joppa was it north of nineveh it's what he did after that he was on land is what made the difference in jonah's life god met jonah but we don't know where the where the great fish deposited jonah but we do know that whenever Jonah was, wherever he was, the Lord was there. Remember, the Lord said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. God is more concerned about his workers than he is about the work. More concerned about your heart in the situation. More concerned about your action. More concerned about your obedience than the work actually getting done. He, the work will get done. But he's more concerned about the worker than he is about the work. It could have been a very short-lived repentance. Out of the fish, 
back on land. Okay, thanks, God. Thank you, for, uh, thank, you. thank you for rescuing me. I really appreciate it. And God says, remember the prayer that you prayed? You ever prayed this prayer? Oh, God, if you, if you rescue me from this situation, God, I will serve you for the rest of my life. Yeah. I've prayed that prayer several times. I don't know if you have. Yeah. And I've reneged on them several times until finally I actually went, followed through on it when I was 21. God deposited him to the original destination he intended him to be, but we don't know exactly where he did, but we just know this that he took a longer, more circuitous route. That he could have gone straight to Joppa, but man, he took a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of resources, a lot of pain, a lot of, a lot of a big journey. People went on it with him. And what happens is when you and I are on this journey and God says, I want you to go here, we go there. Or God says, I want you to follow me and we don't follow. Or if God says, I just want you to do something simple, we don't do it. Or God says, how many times have I told you to put that off and you, haven't, and, and you didn't put it off? Or how many times have I told you to pick that up and you haven't picked it up? People are on this roller coaster with us. They're with us. And they're riding with us. Based upon what we do. And we're taking people for a ride with us. Yet at the same time... When you look at what God wants to do, that what you do is up to you, that you have total will. You have free will. That's the great thing about Christianity. You can choose your own way if you want to. However, the best way is always his way. His way always trumps my way. It is always better than our way. As a matter of fact, the first picture, guys, that I asked for, and I didn't ask for it now, but Charles Spurgeon, the great theologian and preacher, said this, that the life of Jonah cannot be written without God. Take God out of the prophet's history, and there is no history to write. What you do is up to you. But at the end of the day, it is God who empowers you to do it. Number four, God is willing to give you another chance. God is willing to give you another chance. God is willing to give us another chance. I thank God that he had another chance for, for, us, for the Assyrians that God gave them another chance, but God also gave Jonah another chance. And how many of us are asking God for another chance? Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. It would be great to be that guy that God has to speak to only one time. But for most of us, God has to give us the word a second time. And that's what I love about God. I love God that he is, you've heard it, the God of the second chance. But I've used up my second chance, you might say. Then God will give you another chance. God is not like the soup czar in Seinfeld that says, no soup for you. No soup for you. And no more. You don't get another chance. Humans are like that. No more chances. Yeah. Because we're human. But God says, I give you another chance. But I cannot guarantee that the same assignment in the same way is going to be there. But it is still going to be God's will that you're following. To follow the will of God. To follow after His plan. God, I heard you. I sensed it. You called. We followed. This is more of a leadership thing that I'm talking about now. But God, I heard your voice. 
I had confirmations and I followed. Or, God, I did, I worked, I served, I might have failed. How about me, God? Is there another chance for me? There's always another chance. There's always another chance. And when God begins to show you the new opportunity and the new chance, it may come in a different form. The original vessel that should have taken Jonah to Nineveh was either a donkey or walking. Jonah decided that he would take himself on a boat and sail away. And sail away to a port far, far away. Leave the call of God behind. Forget everybody. Forget this. I'm over it. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm going there. And he goes in the opposite direction on a boat. God says, you should have walked. You went on a boat. Now, I'm going to send something absolutely scary for you. I'm going to send the fish. Because it's the fastest way that I can get you to where you need to go. And in those three days that he was in that fish's stomach, God dealt with him. God moved him. God shaped him. It was like a resurrection of sorts that came out. When he came out in three days, Jesus talked about the sign of Jonah. Then after three days, the Son of Man shall be lifted. Jonah, much like the prodigal who ran away from not just the call, but ran away from who he was into the opposite direction. God, much like the prodigal, is willing to put you and deposit you in a place. And the place may not be geographic. The place may just be a disposition. comprehension, an understanding of God's role in your life and His sovereignty. The sovereignty of God means God will do what He does and His will is His will. And are we okay with the sovereignty of God? In a life of fast food and a life of microwaves and instant messaging, notifications and alerts. God is slow, slower than what our ancestors experience, much slower in our own minds. But God is willing to give second chances to a nation of people to return, to come to Him the first time. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. How do you minister? How do you wait? How do you pray for the one that doesn't like you? Or the one who has bad intentions toward you? Jonah was placed in that position to go to a people that hated the Hebrews, hated Israel, had bad intentions toward them. But Luke 15 verse 7 says, There is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. My favorite Bible theologian writer, Warren Wearsby, says, The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God 
cannot keep you and the power of God cannot use you. The will of God will never lead you to where the grace of God cannot keep you and the power of God can't use you. I'll step aside so you can take a picture. That is memorable. When I was preaching this and just sharing, the one that I felt the most shift was when I said the darkest places are the most sacred spaces. whatever dark place that you might be in right now is actually the place that is the sweetest spot that you could ever be the best place that you could ever be not that the darkness around you is a good thing it's not but he is in that place with you I look back at the life that I've had since I was 21 actually since I was 19 and I look at how difficult that it was and how I came out by the time of 24, 25, a much better person and a much stronger person, a saved person, a saved man of God. And I look back on my life and I look and I go, you know what? Would I want to do it again? No way. No way. I would never want to go through that again. Never. I would never want, if I could repeat my steps, would I go through it again? I don't know if I'd go through it again. But I thank God I went through it. Because that was the most difficult time of my life, but probably the most sweetest time of my life. And right now, some of you are going through the most difficult time of your life, but if you let God do something, it could be the most sweetest place and season of your life. Thanks for joining us and for listening to Inspire Church Metro Podcast. Stay in the loop by checking inspiremetro.life.